0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and with me is... Devendra Hardwar. And it's just the two of us for now. Uh, You know, Devendra, our lives, uh, the the three of us here on the Slash Filmcast, I mean, things have rapidly spiraled out of control. Oh,
1: yeah. It's Um, pure insanity. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's hard to even do a show anymore.
0: Yeah, here's what's going on right now is uh, my job is... Picking up in terms of intensity, my full time job. I don't, I don't do, uh, this stuff full time. I, uh, have an actual job other than this. And, uh, that's getting pretty busy. Uh, and Jeff Kanata, he's taking care of both of his kids tonight. And so he may or may not join us for our review of Mandy. Uh, and Devinder Hardwar, you, you got one on the way. You got a bun in the oven, right? Got a bun in the oven. Got a baby on the way. I'm freaking out, man. Yeah. T- t- tell us a little insane. bit. Tell us a little bit. So your your uh, wife is due in a few weeks, right? Yeah. So Mid October. Yeah. So mm-hmm. literally, it could happen at any moment. Like during yes. this podcast, you could get a text saying, "Stop the podcast. We're going to the hospital." Right. Yeah. That's a thing that yeah, could yeah. happen,
1: right? It's a thing. Like we don't we don't have any control over this whole process. So you kind of just go with the whole flow. And I feel like that's good training for uh for everything.
2: Yeah, so, uh, but
1: yeah, we just had the baby shower. Uh, got to see a lot of friends and family, and now it's just full on, you know, baby prepping and everything, and you know, figuring out how I manage work and everything along with this.
0: Yeah, so like, what what are some of the things you're thinking through as
1: you're prepping? You know, like, mainly like when <laughs> when do I take some time off? Uh, thankfully, I have a decent amount of paternity leave, um, so nice. I have to like split up that time. Um, but you know, it's it's tough, and it's a busy season in the tech world, and uh, you know, but things are. Also, really difficult with the child stuff. Like, I want to be able to do everything I can to help my wife out too. So, right, yeah, the crazy balance. You want to be a good father, good husband.
0: Yeah. Like, are are there things in your life that uh, you look over your life, your existence, and you're like, these are
1: things I'm just uh, I'm ready to give up. I'm I'm ready to give this stuff up. You know, like. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like with any major life thing, right? There are certainly things, just like getting up and going to see a movie that's you know playing at 11 p.m. or something. uh, I may not be (laughs) able to do as often. Uh, but you know, you, you get a lot, you get a lot in return, right? You're replacing it with something else, something right. potentially much more valuable. All right. Well, uh,
0: looking forward to seeing how it changes your entire worldview, Devendra. Oh yeah. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah, suffice to say, uh, it's been pretty crazy here. And so, uh, the month of October is going to be probably pretty different for the Slash Homecast is my guess. There might be episodes where, uh, mm-hmm. only one of us is here. <laughs> you know, and maybe has a guest or two. Like that's that's very possible. That that is how it's going to play out. Uh, so just be ready for anything in October. We might do like a some best of episodes, like a rebroadcast or two of some of our best stuff. Uh, Anything is possible. Anything is possible, which which is kind of unfortunate just because uh, October is a big month in terms of movies. Right. You got there's
1: a lot happening. You
0: got Venom. You got Star is Born. You got uh, is it uh, Bad Time at the El Royale? Is that what the movie's called? Yeah. Uh, I'm really I'm actually really psyched about all those movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, First Man is coming out. I know how much um, so, you're excited for Venom, Dave. Like, just, I'm so excited for Venom. Wait. It's, it's, yeah, it's like on my <laughs> most anticipated <laughs> movies of the year, um, to take a crap all over on the podcast. So I, uh, I'm really, uh, interested to see how October shakes out. So like, it, we know it's a big month. It's also a big month for, uh, all of us on the podcast in terms of our lives. And so just be ready for anything, uh, what comes next month. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, let's, dive into the show what are we going to talk about today uh we got some what we've been watching for you and then we got an in-depth review of the new nicholas cage movie mandy which was out in theaters recently it's also out on video on demand right now so uh that's what we got in store for you but before we get to any of that uh let's get to some emails emails and follow-up uh this email comes in from luke uh, who writes in the slash from cast at gmail.com. And in the future, please let us know where you're writing from. Luke writes in, uh, how do you guys organize and keep track of your physical media? I don't have much in the way of living space, so I usually just stuff things into drawers or stack them on top of each other whenever there's space. Uh, but I don't do anything to organize them or keep track of what I own, which has me worried about losing them and not remembering what I own. Do you know of any apps that are good for that sort of thing that don't cost too much? Or do you think a simple spreadsheet is enough? So, uh, that's the email from Luke writes into slash from cast at email.com. So, uh, physical media and organizing it.
1: Yeah. But to actually orga- organizing it digitally is what it sounds like. The question really is. And in that case, I, I don't do anything. I know people yeah, who do spreadsheets. Uh, I know there are apps and I should probably do that. Uh, I will say if you like, if you're just stuffing movies in drawers and stuff, that's uh start with organizing the actual physical media. So get a nice tall bookcase, make use of all your vertical space because that's all very useful. And, you know, stacking things is really good because you're not going to use that stuff, uh, that space next to your ceiling anyway. um, So that's good. And that's kind of what I do. I have a nice, really nice custom uh, bookshelf thing my wife made up.
0: I've been getting back into physical media recently, Devendra. You know, Mm -hmm. for a long time, I was just digital only. But I think recently I've started appreciating... Uh, the joys of owning physical media. The quality sure.
1: is often better, and um, also 4K Blu-ray. Man, is it's a miracle! What yeah. we're getting on these discs is, you know, equivalent to what's being shown in most movie theaters. Like that's insane to me. It's twenty bucks for a movie I love. Like yes, I will own that and hold on to that disc forever. Uh, it's not something that's going to go away. You know, when the licensing agreement with iTunes goes away or something. I
0: think Devendra has
1: the right idea. Like very good
0: tips, Devendra. Uh, I I don't use anything digital at all. Uh, I do alphabetical, right? Which I think is, and it doesn't even need to be exactly alphabetical. I think approximate alphabetical is actually acceptable. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? As long as you have like all the letters in one place, uh, you don't need to get too strict about uh making it super alphabetical. I, the the purpose of organizing is just to make sure you have a way to find it. Uh and if you organize it roughly alphabetically, it's fine. You're right. A lot of vertical space in houses is, is unused, so I'd recommend people use that. Uh, but uh yeah, I, I have these tall bookshelves and organize it alphabetically. And uh big fan of the physical media these days. Uh I, I know a lot of people like do this thing where they they get the physical media and then they rip it, which is actually Pretty time-consuming, right? You need uh, a couple of apps and a Blu-ray drive to rip it, and then they store it on, like, some server, and they stream it from Plex. You know, I I know several people who do this, and... Mm. That seems like a really
1: awesome way to do it, but that's just like a little too intense so for me. Much like, work. yeah, so it's just for, a lot especially of work. with like you, you use your ultraviolet slips, use the you know the digital copies. At least do that, and I found that to be really good, especially with movies anywhere and everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, but I think you know the the quality is probably better, right? If with the, with the Plex thing as well, because you can you can rip it losslessly. You know what I'm saying?
1: It depends. So, but yeah, man, that is a huge file. If yeah, those are huge files. That. Like 50,
0: 50 gigs, I think, or something. You know, something like in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's just that's just a, I, I admire those people. I admire those people, but I can't be one of them. You know? Yeah. Uh, I wish I could be one of them, but I can't. I'm just. I'm you, just you know not what's great?
1: Enough. Typing in a code and having a thing that shows up in your Apple TV or whatever, and you hit play, <laughs> and it, it, boom, there you go. It's awesome. I will say this: uh,
0: that my wife has this uh, soft rule for the Blu-rays, uh, <laughs> which is that we are now on a fairly strict one-in-one-out policy. Right? <laughs> so, because because there are Blu-rays on up. there, there blu- I have Blu-rays on my shelf that are like unopened. Do you yeah. know? Uh, Blu-rays that I've purchased and never watched, um, or Blu-rays that I've received for free from like a past life where I was reviewing Blu-rays for some a site or whatever, and so I just have a bunch of uh, of Blu-rays that I, I that don't get much uh, rotation, you know, in my mm-hmm. media diet, and those are going to be the first to go. Whenever yeah, give them out I, to
1: friends, give them some yeah, to yeah, give them to friends, we, we, whatever. Yeah. There's, this,
0: there's this whole thing, by the way. Have you heard of buy nothing? Have you heard of this phenomenon nope. called buy nothing? Nope. Uh, communities around the United States organize Facebook groups where you can literally just give things away for free rather than throwing them away, and uh, uh, they're called. I call like that nothing-
1: Craigslist. Yeah.
0: yeah, like it's like Craigslist, but like less sketchy in my opinion because it's on Facebook, so everyone needs to use a real identity. Uh and so we'll just buy nothing a bunch of Blu-rays, donate them to the senior center. Uh, anyway, just to finish off that point, buy nothing, I'd recommend it because it's kind of a way to connect with neighbors uh mm-hmm. and like by claiming their stuff or giving away your free stuff. Um and you you kind of feel like, oh, at least my old uh, Blu ray is um going to someone who's gonna actually watch it versus just going into the mm-hmm. trash or uh if you goodwill it you have no idea where it's gonna go. Uh, the so- last
1: Blu-ray I gave away, by the way, was downsizing. I gave it to a friend so he could hate watch it. He's really yeah. excited about that. So I mean, that stuff movie, like
0: that. That movie know. is pretty bad. Uh, it's I, pretty I, bad. I, I think yeah. Jeff Canada put that as like one of his top ten movies of 2017.
1: <laughs> we'll just uh, talk about this while Jeff isn't yeah, we, here. We, we, but yeah, I want that thing out of my house immediately. I, think it,
0: I don't. I think I'm not exactly sure who said this, so I'm not going <laughs> to try to attribute the quote. But it was someone on Twitter. It's not my thought, but someone said like, downsizing is like if you made a movie uh, whose premise is about shrinking someone down to a tiny size and then made the character's journey not have anything to do with that premise. <laughs> right? Like, that movie basically could have happened without the downsizing premise, pretty much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, at least a lot of it could have. You know, not all of it, but a, a, a significant part of it. It feels like a lot of untapped potential there. That movie mm-hmm. really stuck under my pro- my craw because of the, <laughs> like, it, it just, you got Alexander Payne, you got, you know, Matt Damon and... um
1: could have been so good. Christoph
0: Waltz, yeah. It could have been really good, but yeah. Uh it wasn't. It was uh it was pretty bad. It's a pretty bad movie. So anyway, uh yeah, you give 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 Blu-rays away for people to hate watch, that's another way to approach it as well. Uh but here's what I've seen Divindra that I'm really intrigued by, which is I think Peter Sretta showed me his setup and what he does is he has like uh, a set of drawers Right, that uh, Wait, a set of what? A, a set of like a like a case with uh. I like the way you say drawers. <laughs> drawers, drawers, drawers. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: Okay. He has a uh, sequence of things that you pull out. You know, drawers. What am I pronouncing drawers wrong? Is that a weird way to pronounce? <laughs> anyway, you have me all self-conscious. It's, about
1: very, it it's very perfectly pronounced. Yeah. It's thank. Just, you. Uh, I'm not used to that. Good.
0: So, uh, and uh, what he does is he has like sleeves, right? Uh, like little kind of soft sleeves where he'll remove the Blu-ray uh art and then put that in the sleeve and then put mm-hmm. the disc in there, right? And that way it takes up way less space. Like you're not putting, it, you're, not using whole Brain Blu- stuff. Yeah. you're not using a whole Blu-ray case. And so you can fit like hundreds of Blu-rays in like a tiny, you know, bread box size container. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's like a great way to go uh, and like eventually, I, I think I might head in that direction.
1: You know, yeah. Except for like steel cases, because you kind of you kind of want to have those, right? That's you the thing. There's some Blu-ray yeah. cases
0: that are just like too good to to not use. You know, mm-hmm. so that's the only downside of that. But if you want something easily accessible, like ha- get get like some sleeves going, right? Uh, some soft sleeves. Take the Blu-ray art out. Put the disc in there. Put it in a drawer, uh, and I think that is a good way to organize physical media. So yeah, there's
1: a, there's a lot like that company, uh, Kaleidoscape. If you remember that, that mm. they make that big machine that can hold like hundreds of DVDs and Blu-rays. Like, it, like that's where you want to be. You want to have something like that, uh, to be truly Galaxy Brain. Uh, that thing can also rip your movies, I believe. Uh, for you automatically and just store them on a giant ass server. Mm. Uh, that that is like the ultimate solution, but it's crazy expensive. That's for people who have like you know a little theater room in their house or something.
0: Kaleidoscape, yeah. Uh, yep. looks like it can store approximately hundred eighty DVDs. This is from the two thousand five press release, so maybe it's... that's the old one. <laughs> maybe,
1: yeah, maybe, yeah, they have some they new ones know. too. Like you could you could suck down four K digital files that are basically Oof. what's in the theaters too. Hmm. Mm. That is impressive. That is impressive. So,
0: anyway, those are a few ideas for organizing physics. I don't know if this is at all helpful uh, to, <laughs> start, with to start with the shelf. Start with the book, Start with the shelf that, like, yeah, yeah the Divine that goes all the way to the ceiling. Start with that and, and uh, work your way up to maybe putting it in the tiny sleeve and putting it in the tiny case. And um, Or, you know, some people will use those, like, big CD books. You know what I'm saying? That's a oh, little man. too intense because you can't really fit a Blu ray art in there. You know what I'm saying? It is.
1: You know that is. I like traveling with those. If I'm like going home and I want to bring some movies with, to my parents, I have a small like 50, mm. you know, DVD case, and I just travel with that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. But not for home stuff. Like that reminds me of like when we were just burning tons of CDs, and like you'd have you know books and books filled with CDs. Uh that's. I don't want to go back to that life. Yeah. That was a dark time.
0: Dark time. Dark time in our lives. We have. Yeah. We have nice Blu-ray cases. We got digital copies now. Um, so, yeah, I, I would put them all on a shelf, put them on a bookcase. This guy, Luke, Luke, sounds like he has so many he doesn't even know. It, it, it sounds like he's not even putting them all in one place, right? right? And then a,
1: once you see them, you know what to get rid of, and that's also the key. Yeah. Instead of just hiding them everywhere.
0: I, I would definitely recommend, like, a one-in-one-out policy, though. I think that's, like, if, if you have, like, an excessive number, a one-in-one-out policy is a good way to go. Uh, it's a good form of discipline. Um, but Anyway. It's only, You must decide what is a critical mass of uh, Blu-ray's to own. It, it is a personal decision unique to each person. But anyway, thanks for writing in. You can always write in your questions uh, to slashfilmcast at gmail.com. All right, Devendra, why don't we get to uh, what we've been watching this week. Devendra, you've been watching a few things. Tell us about
1: it. Uh, yeah, mainly Maniac. The new Netflix series uh, that's entirely directed by Carrie Fukunaga and uh, written by Patrick Somerville. And uh, there are a whole bunch of other writers, too. Uh, but they're the main creative forces behind the show. And it is it is pretty wild. Like uh, just watching the trailers for this can give you a sense of how weird it is. Uh, the trailers, you know, you, you see it stars Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, which also seem like pretty big stars to have in a Netflix series. Um and there seems like there's some VR alternate reality type stuff happening. Uh it's very sci-fi. Uh I'm not going to spoil too much, but I will say I'm I'm just like really digging everything the show is doing. It feels to me like a Satoshi Kon film like something like Paprika uh mixed together with Brazil with a bit of like uh Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, maybe a bit of Inception in there. There's a lot of like different influences here. Uh, But I'm really struck by how much this feels like truly trippy, psychedelic anime. Um, So it's set in an alternate reality New York City, uh, except uh, it feels like modern day. But the tech is kind of all over the place, right? There are chunky 80s style uh, computers with huge monitors and big screens and and big keyboards. Uh, There are dot matrix printers. Um, But there's also like, uh, you know, there are supercomputers and there's artificial intelligence, Uh, a big part of this show, a big character in the show is a giant supercomputer, uh, you know, that expresses emotion through a wall of like LEDs. It's this really wild mixture of old and new tech, um, but not like, it's not realistic. It feels I I don't know what's the word, like expressionistic? I I don't know, like there's a lot going on. Sort of like how Brazil and like Terry Gilliam stuff, you see a lot of wild and wacky inventions. Uh, I'm thinking of like the Christoph Waltz thing. He did too, whose uh, name I can't remember right now. Um, there, there's just like so much ingenuity and world building going on. So I'm fascinated by all that. Uh, but the show itself is also about um, trauma and mental health and trying to move past like the things that are really holding you back in society and um, the way virtual reality or alternate reality comes in. There's a sort of simulator that lets you re-experience uh the worst moments of your life um it, it, that's all part of like this whole new treatment thing there's a lot going on here uh it's really weird i will say that so i don't know if this show is for everybody but it's very much for me like it, it really hits everything i love about uh science fiction and really wild anime um there's a point um Justin throws in this i believe Patrick Somerville used to write on Leftovers, so he probably dragged him over from there uh, Justin Theroux is in this show and at one point he has like a CG giant spiky Goku anime hair thing going on and uh, you know he's like having weird virtual sex with a digital creature that has like a ton of tentacles or something it's completely within the world of the show It's just so weird I've never seen him so like uh, I don't know silly is the way like he is just uh, I think the show has a lot of fun with Justin Theroux and his weird and wacky hairstyles and things like that. So hard to explain. I can't really say more yeah, unless I. Start what to you just things. said
0: was almost completely incomprehensible just now. Yeah, but, just uh, just
1: like just imagine Justin Theroux having like <laughs> virtual sex with a uh, you know a character from World of Warcraft, and Justin Theroux like f- fully into it too. Like he's really uh, giving it his all, as, as you'd say. And it, it's amazing. Like the show, it feels like it just I don't know. I how, how many episodes of this are you in? Like, uh, it's 10 episodes so far. This is basically a miniseries. I don't think they're going to like continue after this. But how how many episodes are you in to it? I'm in about six episodes at this point. I
0: see. Okay. So you've, you've watched the majority of it at this point and you, I've watched most
1: of it. Something you'd recommend. Yeah, man. Gabriel Byrne is in the show. Nice. It's crazy. Gabriel Byrne, like at at one point doing like a weird, bad, like New York, uh, gangster accent, which is, is pretty good uh at one point the show goes kind of episodic and it turns into like a Cohen brothers uh story set in long island like it's just all over the place but i'm loving every minute of it uh if you like those references i've mentioned uh it's it's uh pretty much that i think you'll enjoy it all right
0: that's maniac it's available on netflix right now i'm actually really looking forward to checking this one out it looks so interesting so yeah uh, the show's Maniac.
1: Okay. Maniac. Uh, and also, I'm, by the way, about Kari Fukunaga, I just want to say, uh, happy to hear that he's potentially doing the next Bond. We'll see what happens with that, because he's left a couple of high-profile projects before. Uh, I do feel like he, he, you can't keep doing that, right? No matter how good you are, you kind of have to go all the way through with one of these things. So I'm hoping we see that movie.
0: Uh, I don't know. I feel like if you've got the talent, which I think Kari uh, Fukunaga definitely does, you know, you can leave however many projects you
1: want. At least, I, I, uh, I don't know for a limited time. Like he just wasted. There's a great article, I believe it was in GQ or something. But he basically burned years of his life, you know, with movies and projects that just didn't happen. So I think now he's like, well, I can't be this young, you know, firebrand forever. I kind of have to do something. So if it's if it's compromise that he has to do. Uh, maybe it'll be Bond, but who knows? Like well, they can even get yeah the Danny well, Boyle thing. Happening.
0: Let, let's let's
1: think of some uh, and yeah, of course, over
0: time anyone's uh, yeah. anyone's juice in Hollywood runs out. Of course,
1: uh, I don't feel like that's the case with Cary Fukunaga yet, but we'll see. Dude, I, like he like Beast of No Nation, right? We talked about that movie. No Oscar love, really? Yeah, I mean, the, I you know? mean when There's you
0: when you stuff. make a movie that makes you know. 500 million dollars worldwide that gives you yeah. more options right gives you and years. yes and that might be something that he's interested in doing uh because yeah. I think
1: those movies like, generally do pretty well Danny Boyle can walk away from that movie and have fewer consequences uh whereas I feel like Cary Fukunaga is still waiting for like that one big hit moment because the people who like movies and cinephiles appreciate him, but not, yeah, you know, not any other people yet. He has not had a widely
0: commercial mainstream hit quite yet, mm-hmm. right? And so maybe he's yeah. maybe there's a calculation there. Now, as you pointed out, Danny Boyle left the project, right? Uh, and Which, by
1: the way, I, ca- I can't even, in my mind's eye, I cannot envision what a Danny Boyle James Bond movie would look like, right? Like I just mean, I, I can't imagine what a Kara yeah. Fukunaga James Bond looks like. I think James- he'd look a lot like, uh, you know, like Skyfall or something like just his, like stylistically, right? He is so like his, his, his visual sensibility is so like classical at times. Like it's, it's not, as manic as something like you'd expect from Danny Boyle right I expect like James Bond with like a GoPro on his head at some point or James Bond like being shot digitally uh (laughs) in way you know handheld in ways we've never seen before with Danny Boyle like chest mounted camera or something
0: like that as he's running through a thing
1: I think uh, the thing is so first I actually
0: put a a Twitter poll uh on twitter.com slash Dave Chensky and uh, i I wrote today it was announced that Kari Fukunaga was hired to direct a new bond film. Do you actually think a bond film directed by Kari Fukunaga will ever be released in theaters <laughs> and fifty three percent said yes forty seven percent said no out of uh, right. over a thousand votes That's, so it's, it's amazing i I think that uh, i mean i i don't know that this will ever come to pass. I think that like the 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 owners of uh, James Bond have really strong opinions. On the kinds of movies that James Bond can be in. It, it is baffling. Like a, a few things baffle me about this. One is that James Bond is literally one of the prototypical uh, typical examples of the concept of formulaic. Right? I mean it, it is so formulaic that you already – like people <laughs> already know – the all the elements that are in James Bond movies, right? You could you could name them if you if you right. tried, right? Like there's all like every James Bond movie needs to have like all these like opening action sequence, you know, evil evil supervillain, um, tons of one liners and puns, shaken not stirred, blah blah blah. Now the Dan- Daniel Craig movies like kind of upended that in some ways, but pr- that was prior the challenge, yeah. Prior to yeah. Craig, it was very very formulaic, uh, and so it's it's kind of weird to me that you can't find a director who's willing to
1: get on board with that it's more uh, like we don't know we don't know what's going on with the producers and everything i think around the casino Royale era uh they were desperate because like the last bros movies drove the franchise into the ground and you had like you had born and you had some like fresh new uh you know uh, action film franchises and stuff like they needed to evolve and i th- the the my main takeaway with the uh, the last movie whose name I can't even remember right now, Spectre, Um, Spectre seemed to go to great lengths to bring Bond to where he was before, right? Like to set up all the characters where you expect them and just like rebuild that old uh, paradigm. And I think that's kind of what what held that movie back. And also, it was a complete mess. So,
0: it was much more it, campy than all the rest of the Daniel yeah. movies, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, so, so that's one thing in my, like, you know, I think that's, that's largely accurate what you're saying about the direction the franchise has taken. Um, but Bond fundamentally has always been an extremely retrograde character, right? Yeah. I mean, he's very, yeah. he does not, um, fit into today's progressive society, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think, uh, I, I just think you can't have a character named Pussy Galore anymore. Like it, it's been parodied <laughs> to death, Perhaps and not. Yes. Uh, and so it's just hard to know which directions to take this franchise in, um, because because fundamentally, unless he evolves significantly in ways mm-hmm. that feel organic, that feel logical, uh, the, the, it's not gonna it's not gonna be an interesting franchise to follow. So right. I am curious what take Kari
1: Fukunaga has on this character.
0: And I am also very dubious that we'll actually see sure. uh, that take.
1: I'm most interested in what set pieces, you know, Kerry Fukunaga would bring to this franchise, right? I'm thinking of this like, you know, giving the way Macquarie um, approaches Mission Impossible right. at this point. Like, if he has great ideas in terms of what we can, do, what he can do with this character, um, I'm, I'm down for that, even if, like, they don't completely fix everything that's wrong with Bond. Like, how do you do Bond in the Me Too moment? I don't know it's 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 that's tough and i believe they're still like working um you know it's still the same writers as usual right purpose and wade so who Just knows think of uh think of
0: the stuff carrie fukunaga did for A true
1: detective season one you know yeah. like
0: uh that drug raid sequence you know yep. imagine something like that for all time great yep all time great shots in in all of tv history so i think
1: uh it, it would be awesome if it, it ever came to pass it would be awesome it would and be also awesome. like between Casino Royale and Skyfall, like Sam Mendes, like say what you. I know a lot of people aren't uh, huge fans of Skyfall, um, but that movie has some great, fantastic set pieces, and uh, it's beautiful. That's kind of it. Did yeah, Roger Deakins Deacon do Skyfall? Movie. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, worth yeah. it's worth watching just for Roger Deakins alone. You know. So I, I feel like Cary Fukunaga, looking at that, uh, looking at Sam Mendes, kind of not being able to match that with Spectre. And saying, you know, okay, how can I how can I do better than that? And I'm excited for something like that.
0: All right, uh, that's what Devendra's been watching: Maniac by Cary Fukunaga, great director. Can't wait to see what he does next. Maybe it'll be Bond.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I watched a few things this week, Devendra. I watched Upgrade, newest film by director Lee Unnel. Uh, nice part, half yeah. of the Saw uh franchise starters like he was one of the one of the people in Saw and since then he and James Wan have gone in their own different directions. Uh but he was
1: he was one of the writers, right too. And yeah, he,
0: correct. He Writer and things. actor and you know that movie franchise went on to make like I don't know half a billion many billions of dollars um <laughs> at the box office. Uh so yeah uh upgrade interesting interesting movie. Um I'll read the plot summary from IMDb real quick. Uh, and this movie is set in the near future where technology controls uh, nearly all aspects of life. But when Gray, a self-identified technophobe, has his world turned upside down, his only hope for revenge is an experimental computer chip implant called STEM.
1: His only hope is technology. His only hope is
0: ooh, so ironic.
1: Yeah. Uh, So
0: this movie is a lot of fun. I have to say, I loved it. It it is a great B movie, in my opinion, and it reminds me of like B movies from like the eighties and nineties. Like you remember, uh, there was a company called like Artisan Entertainment. You remember that company? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, And they would release all these like really kind of uh, relatively low budget kind of uh b movie horror genre movies uh mm-hmm. and i watched like a ton of those movies when i was uh when i was younger um and so yeah it reminded me kind of like a a, a, mov- a movie they would make uh where it's it's a little bit too cheesy to be taken seriously but right. it is still a ton of fun
1: and it and actually you can feel the budget too at times like it's trying to paint this future world but they can't really aside from like one future looking car that's pretty much it
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i, I so I actually listen to the commentary which is i would recommend to anyone mm-hmm. because lee one gives yeah. good
1: commentary this is a blind buy, by the way i, I feel like if you guys if, if you listen to us and you know our action movie sensibilities i think anybody will appreciate this movie
0: yeah yeah i mean i i I would say it's a blind buy if you're into kind of uh, cheesy genre like sci-fi, you know, horror movies, right? But
1: mainly for that commentary too.
0: The commentary is very good. It is very funny. He's very self-deprecating. He gives actually practical advice about how to make a a low-budget short film and make it seem big. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think it was hilarious. Like something he said that was really interesting is it is very interesting what the audience is willing to forgive right uh, cuz there's there's things that he thought like oh my gosh like they're going to notice that so and so has a fake beard at some point in the movie right like so and so has a fake beard and he's like everyone's going to notice that like that's a, it's a huge you know sore spot of this movie is this guy has a fake beard it's so obvious um no one gives a crap about the fake beard like the movie comes out no one gives a crap about the fake beard and it's like all that matters is that people are engrossed in the story, like that they right. care about what the characters are doing. that They want to see wh- what direction this plot is taking. And if they are, they'll, they'll forgive a lot about the look of the film and the feel of the film. And I think uh, that largely happens here. Another piece of advice he gave that I thought was pretty interesting was there's uh, basically a billionaire character in Upgrade. And, and uh, the mm-hmm. protagonist goes to visit his house. And it is in this, like, spectacular vista, uh, like, nature. I think it's, in, it's filmed in Australia. And yeah. he was saying how uh, if you have a low-budget movie, let nature be your production designer, right? Like, basically choose a spot that looks spectacular outside. and
1: Yeah, have um, characters walk down a hole and cut to, you know, interiors and warehouses. <laughs> inter- yeah,
0: uh, you know, have a spectacular vista. They go down a hole and then cut to, like, a set, you know, and then it looks <laughs> like, wow, that's amazing. Um, so uh, the commentary is great, very funny. He's a funny guy, uh, and the movie is a ton of fun as well. It, it actually has kind of interesting ideas about where sci-fi is going to take us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and it has memorable sequences, me- memorable action sequences, which is pretty impressive considering it's a low-budget movie. Yeah, memorable um,
1: action also, it, like it goes, it edges a little into two-gory at times, but I feel like that is. Very true to the B-movie roots. Right? Yeah, exactly. Watching this felt like watching Mad Max for the first time for me.
0: This is my favorite performance from Logan Marshall Green, who has typically been known as a poor man's Tom Hardy. Right. I think he does a great job
1: here. And there is In actually, a movie that looks like a poor man's Venom, basically. Yeah. Kind of sad. It,
0: the, the plot is it, is extremely shockingly similar to Venom. Uh-huh. um. And so it is interesting to see how how similar both the actor and the plot is but um Logan Marshall Green is something that the the, the director talked about in the commentary was how much work like I can't I'm really going to try to stay away from spoilers but I'll say mm-hmm. that like the actor Logan Marshall Green put a lot of work into separating his facial expression from what his body was doing right and that's all I'll say. And that work really pays off in the film because I think yeah. uh, that's that's difficult to do. What he's what that character is doing in this film, what that actor is doing in this film, is challenging. And I think Logan Marshall Green, uh, Margaret, Mar- Ugh, I'm messing up his name, Logan Marshall Green nails <laughs> it. So yeah. uh, I, I recommend this movie. I think yeah. it's a lot of fun and um, and is very well directed. They they do a lot with very little. The movie is mm-hmm. called Upgrade. It's available right now on video on demand. I bought it on Blu-ray. Uh, check it out if you have a chance. Check it out.
1: I, I have to say, for the action, I really enjoyed the camera movements, yeah. too. I feel like that really sold when they couldn't have, like, a huge large-scale fight or something or tons of choreography. Just the way the camera moves at times with the action felt really impactful. It, it just felt like it made it all more kinetic. This isn't the raid, but sometimes you feel like it is.
0: The, the camera is doing some really interesting stuff uh, in this movie. So... It's, it's, it's a movie worth checking out. Movie worth checking mm-hmm. out. So, uh, that is Upgrade. All right. Let's move on to the next thing I've been watching. But before we do that, we have a special guest joining us today. Normal co-host Jeff Canada. Jeff,
2: how you doing, man? It's normal, dude. So normal. <laughs> Just so so normal. doing my normal thing.
0: We talked earlier, Jeff, about how you're taking care of both your kids, uh, today, which I, I've I've heard tell from people who have two kids that it is like, exponentially more complex to do that
2: it is but that is not actually accurate the 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 truth is my wife is away on on uh, a business trip and my son who had just turned two uh is having his first sleepover at grandma and grandpa's house Mm. so he's actually not even here i am just alone alone with the five-month-old who is uh, a handful all by herself and uh, has had been having some sleep regression and she started teething a bit so she's uh, her sleep has been fitful at best, mm-hmm. and uh, so I didn't want to subject you guys to me having to run in the other room as she screamed, and then I had to resettle her, et cetera, et cetera. So I think she's down. I don't want to jinx anything, but I think she is uh, is down for the moment. So uh, I'm here. I'm I mean, here being I, normal.
0: I think what we're trying to say right now is that literally at any moment, Jeff could be taken away from us. And not rejoin the podcast, right?
2: I mean, yes. I think that's definitely going to happen, possibly. There, so s- potential screaming in the other room to which I must attend.
0: Yeah. So um, just know that we, you, you know, you're, we're grateful for any minutes with Jeff Canado we have. Um, <laughs> but also, if you love something, let it go. You know what I'm saying? And by that, and, by um, something I mean time with Jeff Canado.
2: So my my real my re- real message to everyone is: don't have kids. Mm. And apologies to Devendra. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm ready. I've seen Matt Singer's slow uh, Degradation to Madness as well. Um, uh, I'm ready. Happy to join the club, guys.
0: <laughs> well, speaking of things that help you have kids, romantic comedies, guys. Uh, I had a chance to watch yeah. Set It Up, the Netflix romantic comedy. Uh, and I don't usually like to watch romantic comedies. It's not, not typically my thing. But uh, this movie... Is a
2: great example it, of one. Yes, Dave likes to watch tragic comedies. That's right.
0: That's right. I like to – not even comedies, Jeff, just extremely sad films. Uh, but uh, yeah, Set It Up is a great example of a competently executed romantic comedy. It's very funny and it takes – I would say it takes a good amount of skill to be able to kind of pull off the dialogue and personality of the characters in a romantic comedy. It takes a lot of skill to pull that off well. Uh, and I think these guys, uh, these actors do a great job. Uh, specifically Zoe Deutsch and Glenn Powell play the protagonists in this film. And, uh, they are delightful. I think they're, you know, I, I, I think those are great actors. I think the characters they play are, uh, don't have many characteristics other than that they are witty and humorous. Um, but set it up. If you want, you know, something light, something fun, uh, you could do a lot worse than watching this on Netflix. So. That set it up, and it's available on Netflix right now. And finally, I wanted to just mention that I have completed the Spider-Man game for PlayStation 4, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man. Congrats uh, on your and accomplishment. I don't usually you know, complete that many games in a year because I just don't have that much time, <laughs> but this is one that was so insanely fun that I had to finish it. And I just wanted to mention two things real quick. First of all, I actually agree with Jeff Kanata's Uh, perspective on this, that the storyline in this game is a better Spider-Man story than Spider-Man Homecoming, in my opinion. Like, and when I say better, I mean truer to the essence of the character, in my opinion,
2: right? At least. I think the the best, yeah, the best Spider-Man film is a video game.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very, very good. Um, and they nail the swinging mechanics, uh, like, you know, swinging around the city and getting from place to place. Usually, you, like, if you play a game like Grand Theft Auto or whatever that's open world, you want to fast travel to places. But it is so much fun to swing from place to place in this game uh, that you just want to do it to, to take the scenic run most of the time. So, uh, anyway... Really love the game, and I finished the 20-hour campaign in about like 10 days. Um, so <laughs> I was a big fan of the game, and a uh, big fan of the music of the game, too, Yeah, which I thought was heavily inspired by Danny Elfman's score for mm-hmm. the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. And mm-hmm. it got me so into the mood of those movies that I actually went back and watched Raimi's Spider-Man 2, uh, which is my favorite one of those movies. And okay. in my opinion, yeah. that movie still holds up. I still, still love that movie. Um, a lot of the special, you know, some of the special effects are a little dated, but like, overall, I think they pull it off. The idea of having this guy, Alfred Molina, play Dr. Octopus and, um, having eight limbs and moving from place to place. Like the physicality of that character, the look the of set it. Set pieces in that movie. Fun. Man. Oh, man. It's man. just the, the, like, you know, uh, Spider-Man one had decent action scenes, but the, you know, Spider-Man two takes it to a whole other level. The bank robbery sequence, the train sequence. Uh, I,
1: I just I... like the 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 f- the whole fight, like um, the the thing like where he sees the reflection of a car being thrown at the restaurant from Mary Jane's eyes, and like that sets up that whole fight. Like that whole thing is insane, and well, then it's the a, midair it's fight, action yeah. scene, but also makes no sense. Like what was what whatever. was Doctor Whatever whatever what was Octop-
0: Octopus's plan in Spider Man Two? Like he's trying a... to say,
1: "Hey, what's up, Spider Man? I'm here." Well, first of all, that's, he didn't know that was Spider
0: Man. He thought that was Peter Parker, <laughs> Spider Man's friend. <laughs> yeah. So he threw a car. At Peter Parker to get his attention, but yeah. what if Peter Parker wasn't? Spider- Dude would have been killed by a car, you know. Anyway, it makes, it makes no sense. <laughs> uh, he no, he's not Spider Man. There
2: you go. That, that's <laughs> an Octo. Oops, is what yeah. they call that. Yeah, Octo. oops uh, There's a wonderful moment in the video game that references the train scene from Spider Man. Oh, yeah, yes, As yeah. if, as <laughs> if it is canon for the video game. It is delightful. Which is, which is really great. It is delightful. Uh, yes. I happen to really vehemently dislike that train sequence from that movie but i understand people have a soft spot in their heart for it um i will take the Otto octavius from the video game over Alfred molina's Otto octavius any day of the week but mm-hmm. i i i understand your enthusiasm as well
0: <laughs> i think they're both great and uh but you know putting aside the action scenes i love that spider-man 2 is about identity it's about this character mm-hmm. grappling with who he is who he should be and whether or not he's willing to make the sacrifice, uh, to be the hero that Gotham, I mean, um, you know, New York City needs. And <laughs> so I think it's, uh, it's still a, a brilliant superhero films, one of the best ones. Uh, and I, I would say the tone, the music, the feel of Spider-Man 2 is very similar in a lot of ways to the Spider-Man mm-hmm. game. Um, it's, it's probably the biggest, I would say the biggest direct inspiration is from the film is my, like my read on it. Um, But they're both awesome. They're both awesome.
2: And, and, you know, you brought up the music in the video game and it's worth, I think, underscoring just how wonderful all of the sound design is of the video game. The music not only is excellent, but it also comes in at just the right moments. It it swells as you as you swing through the city at every time you leap into the air, it it. It lifts you you know it is it is really well orchestrated and and scored to the action that you are actually performing in the game and they do a lot of really clever things too with uh all of the dialogue there's a lot of storytelling as you're progressing through the city it's not just cutscenes although there are a lot of those as well it's also storytelling as you're playing as you're swinging through the through the uh the city and they actually recorded all the dialogue multiple times to Dynamically switch between if you are standing still as Spider-Man or swinging. So the the actor who played Spider-Man recorded his lines sort of out of breath as if he was strenuously swinging through the city, so that it made sense. So it didn't sound like he was just this calm guy. But then, you know, not knowing if the player was listening to the cutscene just standing still or perched on top of a building, they also recorded it calmly. So the game actually dynamically switches out. So it all sounds right. And those subtle things go such a long way in making it all feel like it's actually happening.
0: Agreed. Agreed. A uh, lot of nice little subtle touches, uh, that make the game extremely immersive, strongly recommend the game, Marvel Spider-Man for PS4, and also recommend the film Spider-Man two as well.
1: Uh, but by, by the way, uh, just briefly, while we're on the topic of games, I want to say, um, shout out to all the folks from Telltale. Like yeah. that is a sad, sad story. Uh, they've made some of my favorite narrative games over the past few years. I, that first Walking Dead is one of my favorite games of all time, and I was really excited to you know see where things were going with this season. Uh, that is just a sad story. Hopefully, uh, all those folks can land some work. It.
2: Yeah, I uh, I talked about this at length on my video game podcast, but uh, at the risk of getting on a soapbox, it, it really underscores the need for unionization in the gaming industry. They, they are just absolutely people are just chewed up and spit out and discarded like like they're worthless. And it's it's a travesty and it needs to be addressed.
1: It's rough. And I'm hearing, by the way, similar complaints from like the VFX industry after all these superhero movies and everything like it's it's crazy out there. Support your workers, please.
2: Yes, that is absolutely something I've heard as well from friends in the in the VFX industry.
0: Before I get to our review of Mandy, we've got to thank all the people who donated to the podcast this week. Thanks so much to Nico from Vienna, Austria, Justin L. from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Josh Calkin from Houston, Texas for their contributions. Thanks also to new subscribers, Raphael Jovine, Aaron Linsky, and Ryan Robertson. You can always donate to the show by going to paypal.me slash filmcast. That's paypal.me slash the word filmcast. Or go to slashfilm.com. Use the slashfilmcast tab. Click on the PayPal links on the side of the page. All the money you donate does go to help us defray the cost of seeing films and putting on the show for you. Uh, We appreciate any money that you can donate to us, but we also do not want you to donate if it causes any hardship whatsoever for your life. Uh, Your listenership and your recommendation of the podcast is more than enough. So thanks to all of our donors this week. Let's get to our review of Mandy. Mandy.
2: around the serpent's eye strange and eternal I need you to get me that girl I saw Do you know what to do
0: that was from the trailer for Mandy the new film by writer-director Panos Kosmatos who wrote this film with Aaron Stewart on. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. Mandy is set in the primal wilderness of 1983, where Red Miller, a broken and haunted man, hunts an unhinged religious sect who slaughtered the love of his life. Uh, so that is the premise of this movie, and it stars <laughs> Nicolas Cage and Andrea Riseborough as Red and Mandy. Um, and... You know the person whose opinion of this movie I was most interested in was was Jeff Kanata because this movie is not. <laughs> I, I feel like it was with, made for Jeff. It don't was don't totally start made with for me, Jeff guys. Canata. Do not start with me. <laughs> it's
2: not a normal film. It's not a normal film, guys. You know, it's it's. Uh, and I'm a normal host, so we've, which we've established.
0: <laughs> I mean. Davenger Hardware, I, I thought it was, tell- so th- I will say that I, I wanted to see Mandy, but that this was a, a decision to review this was, was largely driven by Davenger Hardware,
2: right? And- I thought this was oh, going yeah. by the way, guys, I thought, not, you know, I don't watch trailers or anything, but I, I thought this was going to be the, movie adaptation of the hit barry manilow song
1: Mm. i mean i feel like it could score this movie
2: at times (laughs) so so you can imagine my surprise
1: (laughs) all right well
0: i I, you know i I thought it was really telling when i asked avindra you know weeks ago hey should i blind buy this uh this movie and you could not wholeheartedly recommend i blind buy it which is uh Something that you typically are okay recommending. I mean, you did it with Upgrade earlier this episode.
1: Yeah, but well, Upgrade, I think, is widely, you know, it, it's, it's something it, it's a lot of people accessible. can enjoy. It's
0: more accessible, yeah. right, than this
1: movie. Right, so, I, try, I try to be, I try to cater to, you know, people's tastes, and I know what you guys like, you know? So, I know this was a tough sell, so I'm glad we we're still able
0: to review it. So, Devendra, tell us why you were so intent on recommending this film. Uh,
1: this movie is insane, guys. Like, insane in the best ways, though. Like, uh, I will be honest, I, uh, I, I'm i not sure if you guys have seen Panos Cosmatos's, uh first movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Um, that movie has its fans. I am not one of them. I absolutely hate that movie. And I can understand why, you know, you may not like this one. Uh, but I saw it a couple weeks ago with my wife, and I was just astounded by, like, what's going on in this movie. Because half of it, I think, is a really a uh, nice and quiet love story of these two people who've carved out this little life for themselves you know in the wilderness away from people and it's it's like very lovely it's very tender and i think this is uh, this movie encapsulates everything nicolas cage does well It gets like some tender aspects of him as a loving you know husband who you know maybe he's not he's he's basically what a uh, a lumberjack uh, out in the wilderness like you know he he's not um I don't think there's like much going on with this guy's life aside from this little cabin he has with his lovely wife. Um but I a sweet I, truck.
2: Sweet truck. truck.
1: Truck is rad. I feel like he really sold this like nice quiet existence. Like there's something to that. And maybe that's just living in New York and wanting to run away at some point to like a nice quiet cabin. Uh, I really enjoyed the first half of this movie, and then things ramp up. And then it turns into like the most Nicholas Cage of Nicholas Cagey you know, crazy action movies where his like insane gonzo acting style is on full, like on full display. And I was astounded that one movie could really capture both of those elements of uh, the national treasure that is Nicolas Cage. And I think the movie too, like it's, um, I think it's a tender love story. I think it's a great revenge story. Uh, there are some sequences in here that I'll never forget um stylistically it's astounding the soundtrack is incredible and uh i also think like weirdly this movie has i think a lot to say about like shitty men and Hmm. i did not expect that here and this movie has like a wonderful sequence where you know a shitty guy who thinks he's you know the king of the world gets taken down um in in the simplest ways, and I found that to be pretty beautiful too so yeah i i I love a lot of aspects of this movie mm. all right well that 's davinndra 's thoughts on mandy
0: and here 's what i'm going to say about Panos Kazmata's other movie uh beyond the Black Rainbow, I may or may not have a friend who <laughs> lives in uh a state where uh, marijuana is legal, right yeah, and yeah. this friend of mine. Uh, may, it's uh, it's, not... it's okay, Dave. It's okay. Are you talking about it's bluff. Cool. <laughs> this friend of mine may or may not. His name have... is uh, Blave. Yes. <laughs> blave. <laughs> blave Bland. <Glen? laughs> <laughs> this friend of mine may or may not have uh, on multiple occasions gotten extremely high and watched yeah. Panos Cosmatos' Beyond the Black Rainbow on Netflix.
1: First of all, I have to say I've known this Blave for uh, many times. I want to. I want to see blave get very high and watch beyond the black rainbow but uh, maybe we'll have to schedule that at some point yeah yeah yeah
2: what'd you say jeff (laughs) more like blaze am i right yeah Uh,
0: nice well well done i mean i can neither confirm nor deny uh (laughs) that this person's name is blave but um (laughs) i will say that uh i I think there are movies that lend themselves
1: to uh, enjoying while under the influence of—I think so. Of, of I, drugs. I think that's a good way for be First of all, because it's a tough movie to enjoy if you're not under the influence of something. But maybe it does, like uh, you know, unlock another aspect of understanding for whatever Panos is going for. I'm
0: being—you know—I'm just being completely speculative because this is my yeah. friend talking, not not me. You know, like this is just what my friend has told me about his experiences watching Beyond the Black Rainbow. Uh But Mandy is very similar in style to Beyond the Black Rainbow. Like lot, lots of extremely protracted sequences where like nothing is happening except like colors flashing at the screen, you know? But a lot and, is happening.
1: Come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, sure. And like
0: very like <laughs> slow and repetitive dialogue, you know, that takes place over, you know, the movie could be, there's probably like, I don't know. 30 lines in the entire film you know what i'm saying like it's yeah. just very very slow including and right you ripped my and shirt
1: yeah
2: every character <laughs> talks like <laughs>
1: this but you see <laughs> so, you so see jeff when you did that i was i was hmm. there <laughs> I was hanging on everywhere. It's like, what is, what is Jeff talking about? He's really, he's See, got me here. Jeff See, none of you, n-
2: neither of you guys went to acting school. Mm-hmm. Nope. Where, uh, I would say a good 80% of the student projects I sat through were that <laughs> because the acting <laughs> happens in the pauses. Yeah, it's it's very hard to hard to stomach. Um, So what do you think of the film, Jeff? In the words of Devendra Hardwar, uh, this movie has its fans. (laughs) I am not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I do not think this is a bad movie. Uh, I think this movie absolutely nails what it's going for it just happens to be the fact that what it's going for is something I have absolutely no desire to watch. Uh, I, I, it's doing what it's doing and it, it knows what it wants and it, it goes for it and it achieves what it wants. And I find it an absolute waste of my time. Um, so that's nothing against the movie per se. It's just, it's just a, a comment on my taste and I can only speak from my taste. And, uh, I, I, don't even really admire what this movie is going for. Some movies I'm, I'm like, I didn't really enjoy that, but I admire the swing. I don't even admire the swing. I, I think this is masturbatory and tedious and, uh, ultimately about nothing. Like I, I don't know. Are we doing a spoiler section? Yeah, yeah. let's, yeah. let's do a spoiler I'll, section. Let's right. wait. Well, for then for I'll, I'll be more detailed in, in what I'm talking about there, but I will say, uh, it, it it is very dark. I mean, dark isn't even a strong enough word. I don't know what a stronger word would be. It's, it's, it's pitch black. It's macabre, you know, it yeah. is, uh, it's demented in a lot yeah. of ways. Um, and I, I tend to not really enjoy that. I can go, I can put myself through stuff like that. If, if, and I've said this before on the show, but, and if, if there seems to be a point on the other side of it and boy, I couldn't discern one. Um, it, it's it it's I, it's not even style over substance because I didn't even think I, I didn't even admire the style in in particular and again it's just not for me you know it's this is just not a movie for me I appreciate that people like it I talked to several other of my friends who were like oh, I loved it I watched it twice and I'm like how could you do that to yourself but clearly it's just it's just one of those ones that I'm just not on the same wavelength with and uh I got I, I had this not been a movie we were going to talk about. I would have turned it off uh, m- much earlier than than even the turn the movie takes. <laughs> I, I, w- I will say, though, by the way,
1: this is a movie. It is available on video on demand uh, in in limited release in some theaters. If you have the power to turn this movie off, I think that, you know, that's <laughs> probably not the way to watch it. You need to be trapped in a theater. With a bunch of other people going through <laughs> this experience. Yeah. You have to be and trapped in order to enjoy this. You're movie. really selling it
0: to figure. You're really no, selling it.
1: That's but this is the thing. If you're so, sitting at home the, and like your phone is within reach, like yeah. any anything that can distract you here's from whatever what spell the this movie, movie is putting on, like yeah, it's it's a tough movie to watch at home, basically.
2: Find the heaviest thing in your house and and then put it on top of you. <laughs> Oh, weighted blankets. blanket. Yeah. sounds good. And then Absolutely. and then throw and then throw the remote control across the room so that you can't physically get to it anymore. And <laughs> you keep your phone out of the room too. Yeah.
0: It's a phone. Uh, it's but then how really do you how do you get help to get the thing that's heavier moved later, you know?
2: Uh, I mean, by the it's time the movie's for over, feature, Jeff. Yeah. The, by the time the movie's over, you you'll have given up all hope. So it's <laughs> it, there's no need to worry about it. Uh now I I like I'm glad I don't know Dave what did you think of it
0: Uh I thought it was interesting you know I thought it was interesting I was I will say it is an experience um <laughs> it is that it, I mean it it is it is an immersive experience you know like um we we talk about things that uh whether something should be a film you know uh there's many things that don't need to be a film um like Uh, A movie I directed called The Primary Instinct didn't necessarily need to be a film, you know, like didn't necessarily make use of like every conceivable aspect of film. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I obviously love the little movie I made with Steven, but I
1: feel like we're getting like little dark confessionals now. No, (laughs) no, no. I mean, it's just, it's just like, maybe the world didn't need this.
0: (laughs) No, it's not that it didn't need it. It's just like, we, we did not make maximum usage of the cinematic medium. Right. Right. And this is a movie that makes maximum usage of the cinematic medium. Like this is not a movie that could be a podcast. Do you know what I mean? This is not a movie that could be uh, a book.
2: I would love the podcast of this movie. Oh my god! I actually
1: would love that. Honestly, <laughs> the spoken word version of Bandy, It's like Chainsaws for thirty minutes. Like, yeah. oh, so but yes, yes, so yeah. It's it's, saying, it's a movie Dave. that like yeah.
0: really takes advantage of every you know the
1: the sound, the visuals, the acting, the performances, uh, the it, everything is turned to like eleven in this movie. But I have to say, the reason I really admire it stylistically, it's fantastic. But come on, guys, like. We I, we love certain Nicolas Cage movies. Right. And there I, I think there are a lot of movies where maybe they don't really take advantage of what he does. Uh, there was a really revealing this, interview with him um, I, uh, about like a lot of his recent movies have been basically VOD
2: films, like yeah. things he's
1: just making to make the paycheck. And this, he's fine. This with is
2: that. this is the movie that Nicolas Cage always thinks he's making. Yeah. And for the for the yes. first time. The filmmaker is also on the same page. It's yes. like Nicolas Cage has been making this movie over and over again. This is what's been and going just, on in his head? Yeah, here, here's so, what the people were in on it? You know,
0: I mean, here's what I also say about this movie: is you do have a Nicolas Cage performance where he is going full Cage here,
2: right? And so, well, I don't agree with that. I don't think he's full Cage. I don't think like I was actually impressed with how restrained he was for for most of it. Well, it's kind um, of both,
1: right? It is. He it both. is that dark rep- it is like the cage from adaptation and it is the cage from like uh you know uh give me give me something here well uh, um, here, here's what i was gonna say right? you know
0: face off or something but here's what i was gonna say is yeah, yeah. is if you want to see nicholas cage going full cage uh and but you don't want a kind of uh very plotting deliberately paced uh, movie that's more like impressionistic than it is uh plot driven I would recommend Mom and Dad, the horror movie that he recently started in last year. Like, that is um, a... That's
1: also very good, yeah. yeah. It,
0: it, that movie moves really quickly. It's insane. It has Nicolas Cage going crazy. Uh, and I, I think that is gonna be a lot more enjoy- It's, it's not as, um, it's not as remarkable as this movie. I mean, this movie is a remarkable, but like, it, it's not many movies get made like this. This is a very unique looking, unique sounding, unique feeling movie. And I think Jeff puts it really well when he says, like, it's basically an, an acquired taste. It's basically not a movie that's for everyone. If it is your thing, it's going to be really, really your thing. I mean, this movie has what ninety-seven percent Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. Like, this which is, is
1: astounding, lo- by the way. A lot it's of astounding critics,
2: that a movie like this. Yeah, I think it's, it's like... an. I, I think it's an indictment of, of movie critics. Oh, sadly, come on, Jeff. I, I do. I do. Ninety-three percent, by the way, just so people know. Yeah. Yeah. I. I don't know. I. I. I I'm sorry to say this, but I do think that that is a reflection of just how starved so many movie critics are for anything that tastes different. You know, it's just, it's unique and different. And, and so yes, finally something that's trying something.
1: I don't, Uh, I don't think it's that though, because like there have been a lot of like weird experimental movies like this and they don't always, they don't get the same amount of love. I think there is something unique happening here. Like Jeff, you, one thing you mentioned in, in talking about this movie is that it's about nothing. And that is, I, I don't think that's true. I think it is certainly, there's a lot going on here. This I, is one of the most tender love stories, you know, we've seen, uh, uh, starring Nicolas Cage and then it turns full tilt into something else. But I, I think there is value. Like there it's, it is a prototypical love story and then revenge story, but in I between don't. the lines, there's also a lot going on here with a crazy religious cult and the, you know, the reflections on America today. Like, it's it's there. It's certainly there. I, I Jeff, I, I I object to your characterization,
0: you know, of, of like, the critical consensus. I, I, I think this is a movie that feels a lot like a movie that, like, Horovsky would make or mm-hmm. um, Tarkovsky, you know. And I think there's something brilliant about those directors' movies, and I think there's something brilliant about this movie. But I agree with you that it's not for everyone. You know, it's not an acquired everyone. taste. I don't think it's I don't think it's super accessible. I, I don't know of a single person outside of film Twitter that I'd recommend this movie to. You know, so like it's right. It's tough. It's yeah. yeah. So it's just not a movie but, for everyone. But anyway, it's
1: it's not just film Twitter too. Like you know, you may have friends who like it, 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 did you grow up watching Hellraiser? Are you into those sorts of weird things? Like I don't even I, think, I, think a, I don't think I it's think as accessible important. as Hellraiser,
2: you know? Like it, it is certainly not. Yeah. it's certainly not as accessible as Hellraiser. But also, I, I but think there's that a that lot is, of
1: Hellraiser in this movie. Just it's an, an say, important distinction way. to
2: make, though, because it, it could sound to to some like we're talking about. A, a level of sophistication of the palette that is required and i don't think that's the case i don't think you need a sophisticated palette to understand or to appreciate this movie to like this movie i think you just have to be into a certain kind of experience yeah i think yeah. that's right yeah, yeah, yeah i think that's right yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and that's... also worth worth experiencing too. Like the reason I'm recommending as well, um uh one of the final Johan Johansson scores. Mm. And what mm. an amazing rock opera score it is. Like this movie, it it feels like, you know, when I go see like a play or something on stage, uh, you never know how good it's gonna be. It's not like they have the same performance every night. It could be a stand in, uh, it could be a play that hasn't been reviewed yet, right? It feels like taking a gamble like that, but the overall experience is sometimes more worth it than, you know. The actual narrative or something, right?
0: All right, guys. Why don't we get the spoilers for Mandy? Starting right now.
2: Now you're looking for the secret. Do to see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret You want
1: to be fooled. But the one moment, right? The turning point. Of this movie is the point where they drug Mandy. Right. And the guy is just like really uh, the religious uh, cult leader played by Lannis Roach, who I loved, um, is really like selling himself. Right. As uh, he, he's delivering this monologue completely naked. And she just laughs at him. And I thought, like, how remarkable is that in a movie like this, like her one response and that's her moment of power, even though it'll ultimately get her killed. That is her response. And that's enough to make, you know, him call her a whore and worthless. Yeah. Well, when I f-
0: saw this movie, I tweeted the following. I-, I tweeted the following quote, which is, quote, at core, men are afraid women will laugh at them while at core yes. women are afraid men will kill them. End quote. Exactly. And I thought that dynamic where she can basically reduce this character to nothing just by laughing mm-hmm. at him uh was very potent and of course um she is
1: punished for yeah. that
0: uh but
1: but thereby destroying the power he has over yeah. this you know this tiny cult around him too because they start laughing and like it's just all i don't know i found that incredibly telling yeah so i i think i understood most of what
0: happened in this film with one exception which is when he goes to visit that guy with the tiger
1: yeah like i don't know what I had no idea. Who what is that dude? On. Yeah. Who is that guy? Who is that guy? Like, what's going you on you tell with the where to go? Go? The dude is, you know, he's, he's, he's a seer of sorts. <laughs> he's telling him uh-huh. where to find the, the, the bad people. Like at that point, right. The movie goes from being this like, yeah. Impressionistic, lovely little love story
2: to you something. Keep that? And, I, and I, I did
1: not get love story from, from you spend beginning. an hour with them. Just like hanging out on a couch. <laughs>
2: Like in bed, like it's yeah, it, not, not really a bed. love
0: story though that's more like love no. hanging out with people
2: it's it, it, <laughs> yeah it's not it's not even
1: it's just I'm not talking about what you guys are doing with that. I'm just saying like okay i I don't know maybe uh your relationships are a little more exciting uh but to me uh I think true love right is is it does feel like somebody you could just have this like quiet little life with. Somebody who's always there to watch movies with you, you know. Somebody who you can have these, uh, you know, talk about that time that you. Talk about the time, whatever. Seemingly profound conversations about nothing.
2: To me, that is true love. Those birds with a crowbar, you know, romantic stuff.
1: Romantic stuff. But that's those are the stories, you know, those those stories that you wouldn't tell anybody else. Those are the stories you share with each other. So yes, this is not before sunset. This is not a romantic (laughs) comedy. But to me, I find a certain sort of romance in that. There,
2: there is like an
1: intimacy you're seeing with these characters.
2: There, there, there is an intimacy. I will 100% agree. There, there you is go. intimacy. But that, but there is no love story. There's, a, there's no. I know nothing about her, and I know nothing about him. I know nothing about what connects them or brought them together. I, there's no story of their love. There is an intimate moment where she tells a horrific, repulsive tale. And he hugs her afterwards, which is a tender, sweet, intimate moment. But I didn't get a love story that turns into a revenge tale. I got two people, something transcendently horrific happens to one of them. That it it is just mind numbingly awful. And so he he proceeds to do awful things in return to which he has. Almost zero impediment. There is no challenge to what he does. There is no almost not doing it. There is no needing to uh, find a way. He just proceeds to do it, and it, it happens very matter of factly. Uh, it plays out like a series of boss fights in a video game, except there are no. There's only very loose association. It, we've only just seen these people. And mm-hmm. so now I guess he has to kill them because we saw them. There's only one or two of them that actually did anything in the movie at all. Others are just window dressing that he slaughters because they happen to be around at the time. It, 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 it to me is it, – it is stripped away, yes, and I understand that was the point, is stripping the movie away er, all of the uh, – everything away that isn't essential to mood – but in doing so, I think I lost any desire to participate. Like, I'm I'm not here just to be in your mood, bro. I get it. I get that's what you're doing. But I understood your mood 15 minutes in. I don't need to live in that for two fucking hours. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I I, yeah. I like personally, like
1: it's if you, if you check out of this movie, then yeah, it's tough to enjoy at least something like this that's trying – like I said, the first movie, his first movie, I I don't enjoy on any level. It's super stylish, but super plotting and doesn't ultimately lead to anything. Um, I just think there's a lot more going on here. Like I find that intimacy very revealing. I well, think there's more going on with the like. What was the theme? That, what was the theme mm-hmm.
0: that resonated most with you? Like when when you come away from this film, what is the thing that you're like? Oh man, this movie really taught me a lot about x or it made me think about y like what what is the thing because i'm kind of with jeff on this one like here's what i like about this movie is obviously the style um i also think it's it's kind of you know at at one point she's like reading from this uh what i assume is a fake uh fantasy book Mm -hmm. is that right i don't know if it's a real one i apologize for any fantasy news out there i've offended but Um, I, I used to be a little bit into fantasy when I was younger and, uh, this movie in many ways feels like it's trying to kind of be a fantasy, right? Like it's
1: certainly turned like by the end where you're seeing the vistas of like what the, the, the wilderness looks like. And it's like something out of Lord of the Rings, right? There's moments that are like like, literally
0: animated to, you know, drive that point home. Uh, and I do think like, Oh, Hey, if you had a fantasy novel, and compressed it into two hour time period and stripped out like 90% of the dialogue and descriptions, uh, and replaced it instead with, you know, uh, static shots or, you know, push in shots or whatever. You'd get something like this movie. And so I appreciate that it's trying to, uh, kind of b- uh, take these archetypes and bring them to life in an interesting way. Um, but I don't know that I, I particularly came away from the movie feeling like it, it had a lot to say about. Um, America. Like I, like I said, I think that moment between the two of them when she laughs at him and strips away his power, like that was, that was probably the most interesting part of the movie. Everything else, from a plot perspective, feels very much like stuff we've seen before in revenge fantasies. So, mm-hmm. what, what, what mm-hmm. was the stuff that resonated with you most specifically? So, to, me?
1: to me, this feels like the apex of revenge fantasies, right? Because to really make a revenge story feel meaningful, you have to be invested in the stakes. So, okay, maybe we spent too long with them just sitting and hanging out in their cabin. But after a while, like I, I kind of appreciated like what the lives uh, we were seeing on screen. Right. I, I like the intimacy and what they were going for as characters. These are two people who are just stuck in the middle of nowhere. They, they're not like saying, man, I wish I was in the city. I wish I was somewhere else. They're happy where they are. And they're so happy. Like, well, he does say
2: maybe we movie. should get out of here. Yeah. We should and leave she's like, place. no.
1: And she's like, no, like she uh-huh. is happy there. And it seems like the the, I think the most interesting thing about him, too, is that he is, you know, it it feels like a love there between them. You guys didn't feel that. I just appreciate that intimacy. This whole idea of this cult coming in and a guy thinking the world owes him everything feels, you know, very reminiscent of so many like religious zealots today. And, um, you know, heightened male misogyny and, you know, the patriarchy in general of men who think the world owes them everything because they are so freaking great. Um yeah, like i, I it's I, all those elements I, coalescing I, I, I do, into one thing. And I then beyond do, that, go yeah. ahead, sorry, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt But it. beyond that, like it's not it's not just that. Like it is ends up being like this pure revenge fantasy in a way that I found really compelling, right? After Mandy dies, um you know, there there's a an extended sequence where we see Nicholas Cage just like crying in a bathroom, like a tiny bathroom set. And it goes from being like something that's kind of funny and hilarious to like, uh, I don't know. I-, I actually kind of felt like him showing his grief in a way. And there's a point where his character switches from grief mode into I'm going to fuck shit up mode. And like, I don't know. I-, I appreciate all those aspects of it. To me, this is like the height of what a revenge fantasy could be. I guess uh, I don't I don't doubt that uh,
0: the Jeremiah Sand characters stand in for the patriarchy and that this movie kind of wants to destroy it. Uh, And this movie is all for like destroying Mm -hmm. the patriarchy. And also Uh, the
1: women who support him because, you know, even though it's not great for them and they're literally in sexual slavery, uh, you know, it works out for them in other ways, I guess. Yeah. But I guess I just, you know, I feel
0: like uh, other movies do a better job of destroying the patriarchy than just literally, I'm going to take a chainsaw to the sky. You know, like that's that's essentially. But what has movie, any
1: other movie destroyed the patriarchy with a chainsaw and chainsaw battle?
2: <laughs> Tell me that. Sir. It has not, w- Dundra. I will give you that. The, the action sequences aren't even fun. Like the chainsaw and chainsaw battle is the one where it's like, okay, well at least, at least this one's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but even that, it's pretty boringly executed. It's not, it's not fun or inventive. I gotta uh, disagree with you guy, there. I this guy has a longer that. chainsaw, which yeah. I guess is a dick thing. I don't know.
1: Yeah, has a longer chainsaw, yeah. Uh, I,
0: I disagree with you there. I actually really like that sequence, but
1: yeah, I mean, I think it, it, there's a whole bunch. The one where like the 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 other like Hellraiser dude is just like sitting on a couch like masturbating with his knife dick and that extended sequence of trying to kill him, I found to be kind of hilarious. Like, I think this movie gives you uh, a certain amount of leeway to like also laugh at certain points too. like, uh, there, there's the cheddar goblin thing that happens in the middle for no reason. And just like, it is something that happens almost directly in the middle of the movie. Right. And this weird eighties commercial, that's just like reminding you of like, Oh, of all that weird, nostalgic crap that we were kind of spoon fed as kids in a way. Um, but what a weird distraction from the rest of the movie. And It kind of reminds you like, hey, by the way, th- this is some funny shit as well, even though this is a crazy revenge story. I don't know. For for me, guys, this is a mixture of a lot of things that I, I think when done badly can really make me roll my eyes. And I, I think a dumb revenge story can be, you know, super exploitive and not very interesting. I just feel like this movie does so many different things right that it really works
2: i where i think this movie could be interesting is if you look at it as a origin story for uh well it's him becoming one of those biker dudes is nicholas cage becoming one of the things that he kills it
1: may, maybe maybe that's a future maybe that's like or a maybe conan a, a conan-esque ending you know
2: you are what maybe you it's kill. A, a prequel to Ghost Rider, starring Nicolas Cage, that mm. could, that could be too.
1: Or a prequel to Drag Me, uh, what was it Drag Me Out of Hell, or was it called? Drag, Drag, to it? Hell, Drag yeah. Me Out of Hell? Which starts with him driving out of hell. Uh, which also, man, I wish that movie was this one. Is this one? I I don't know.
2: Um, I did not have any fun with this movie. Yeah. Uh, I I I wish that I felt the way you did uh, and do and saw the things in it that you see. I I just uh. I I resent this movie for the things it put me through for no reason. Everything, you know, I think about a a first revenge movie that pops into my head is kill bill. Right. And you have uh, a series of really cool action sequences. You have different milieus that, uh, you know, basically set out a a series of challenges that our, our heroine has to uh, overcome. She has to dig deep and figure out how she's going to do it. She has to, you know, go through hell in order to, uh, survive. Right. Nicolas Cage, he goes through hell, but at no point does it seem as if he's not enjoying it. (laughs) You know, like we see him get stabbed in the side and he's fine and, and he's covered in blood and he's doing drugs and he's, he, there's, he forges this, Axe for some reason and then uh-huh. it's only used to be thrown through the air and murder someone in one shot it, like there's no, there's no drama there is no question there is no uh it is all it is all just so matter-of-factly presented as mm-hmm. oh the next thing he does is kill this person and the but next I, thing he does is kill that person
1: I, I think of something like this versus like maybe something like uh john wick right which also starts you off which doesn't immediately start you off with the action either, right it has to build up the stakes and then he loses sure. his dog and his wife and everything he's grieving his wife and then shit hits the fan and john wick can plow through anybody because he's fucking john wick what this movie lacks is somebody telling you oh god that fucking lumberjack he is a crazy person who will kill anybody who gets in his way uh we don't get that that's not that's the all. only difference yeah. between
0: this movie and john wick <laughs> but you know i'm just saying <laughs> in terms of setting
1: up and setting up the characters yeah. like what you guys are pointing out like it, it okay. It seems easy that yeah, John Wick can also fight everybody, and there's really no sense that he will die. Throughout those movies, he will beat up hundreds of guys, and he's fine. It's perfectly fine because it's John Wick, and we know you know he he is the main character, and he can beat whoever he wants. Yeah, like, I
0: mean this movie it, it is basically feels like, like John team. Wick if instead of killing hundreds of guys, he killed like six guys.
1: You yeah six guys who were like demons like yeah, uh, i'm totally you go. down with it there
2: you go fun stylish action of john wick or the the cool uh, any of the cool factor i mean i don't know i'm glad you i'm glad you liked it i i don't mean to take anything away from your enjoyment of it and i as i said i don't i'm not faulting this for being a bad movie i just i just inherently question the motivation to even make it like what why why put myself through it what do i get out of it i see i see no reason to to watch this film for anyone
1: i do feel like this is a movie where if you saw the trailer jeff and you saw what kind of movie this was trying to be and you could just be like no <laughs> then there you go that's that's the power yeah. of knowing what but you're then watch, but then we the wouldn't have been talking about
0: it on the podcast of Inger, no so, we wouldn't have yeah, but jeff would um, have yeah, yeah jeff
1: would have been spared this so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: I'm my, just saying, my, this, this is well, the flaw in the my, trailer policy. <laughs> my ignorance is your bliss, see? Because now we're covering it.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks for tuning in. That's our review of Mandy. Find more episodes of this podcast at slash filmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast.com. Our theme song comes from adamwarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Stay tuned to hear what we'll be dis- discuss- discussing next week. In the meantime, Jeff Canale, working
2: can find more of your work in the internet? Mad that we didn't talk more about... Uh, you ripped my shirt! Uh, but anyway, hey man,
1: uh, I referenced it and I know you, you, you did. guys
2: just got to you got you got to pick up the slack here. Come on. It's 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 a <laughs> funny moment, but it is literally an actor making fun of the script in real time. It is not it is it is he is saying the line in a way that is not based in any real <laughs> emotion that's congruent with the it's scene. Very, at it's all.
1: very Nicolas Cage. Like if that line I don't know if that line was in the script. Or not. It feels like something of a crazy psycho Nicolas Cage movie that he would put in there. Like you look at mom and dad. There's a point where he is saying he is saying ABC uh, in mom and dad and getting increasingly more insane as he goes through the letters. Like it feels like something on that level.
2: Anyway, I do a video game podcast <laughs> called DLC that you can find at five by five dot TV slash DLC. And you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T.
1: How about you, Devendra? Well, I'm on Twitter at Davindra, and I write about tech at
0: Engadget.com. Find all of my stuff at DaveChen.net. You can subscribe to my uh, newsletter at DaveChen.net slash letters. Uh, And next week, we will be doing the second half of our summer movie wager commitment, which is reviewing Minding the Gap, uh,
2: the Hulu documentary
0: that I am forcing everyone to watch.
2: So My understanding is that it's still anybody's game at this
0: point. Yeah, I think that's yeah, correct. Yeah. that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tune in for that. That should be a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later.